for sharing. And so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast, everyone. And today on the show, we have Mark Hirschman of Love Street Food. Mark has been in an on-again, off-again relationship with the food business for most of his life. He trained to be a chef at a really young age. Then he left hospitality for the big bad world of business. But 20 years later, he got back in with a food truck. Then he went back to working in insurance and now he's founded Love Street Food. Today we talk to him about all things street food, obviously, and also find out whether owning a food truck is as glamorous as the movies make it out to be. So without further ado, let's begin. Hi Mark, how are you? Hello Pazen, thank you for having me. And, uh, what, a, what a great introduction. <laughs> great. So Mark, um, let's start at the very beginning. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Has um, food always been a feature? Do you have any early food memories you can share with us? Yeah, well, food really wasn't a feature. Um, I grew up in East London. Um, it was a very multicultural society. So I suppose I was surrounded by amazing um, Indian food in particular. And um, we had a big Greek community and a Jewish community. So it was um, it was a really great food culture to see. I can't say that um, uh, I had a particularly strong um, family food culture. We, we were pretty normal, I suppose, in that sense. And um, we ate very well, but um, nothing too exciting. I, I was brought up in the time of microwave dinners, and um, <laughs> yeah, it was um, yeah never to be forgotten. Uh, there were some weird and wonderful creations in those little plastic packets when I was younger. Um, so uh, I think I think we've gone. Funnily enough, we've gone back into that world, but uh, now now things have improved, which is which is good to say. Um, yeah, there's less brown and yellow and a bit more color, at least. <laughs> yeah, it it feels less plastic, if that makes sense. It's got a little bit more substance to it. The quality certainly improved. Um, but growing up in London, it was, um, you know, it was an interesting foodie experience um, outside of the, 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 you know, the family environment. Mm-hmm. It was, there was lots going on. Um, we were going through a real transition in that time. I grew up in the 80s, and that was when celebrity chefs were just coming into the fold and coming onto TV. And it was all all exciting and um, and fresh, and you know, we, we were not known for quality food in the UK, as you you probably heard before. Yeah, um, but uh, was East London known to be the home of chicken tikka masala by then? Oh, uh, not uh, it, it was it was yeah rapidly well, from the seventies onwards. It was transitioning into that. Um, for me, we have some of the, the the best Indian food in the world. It's it's something I do miss from the UK. Um, it's really fantastic to to see the, the diverse range of um, Indian cuisine that we we had there. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the east end of London, where I predominantly grew up, was a major culinary hub for, for for generations from the from the Jewish communities in the in the 30s onwards. Um, and there's still some, uh, a, a presence there um, with the bagel bakeries and things like that. And then it then like all uh, new wave of immigration comes in and it. it, it became Bangladeshi, Pakistani and Indian in the East End um, and the food just, uh, uh, you know, just moved up a level. So we were always, we always had that on our doorstep, which was great. So it certainly was a, um, a, a place to enjoy the, the, you know, great variety of global cuisine. Um, and yeah, the, the, 
the passion probably started there. Okay. So you began um, your career training to be a chef. So tell us, how did that come about? When did you begin? Yeah. Well, 14, I, I love cooking. Um, and I used to plate bits of fruit and weird, and, you know, and top it with all sorts of um, creative things that probably didn't work. <laughs> but um, it started at that age and I was really interested. And then at 14, I, uh, I had the option to do a course in catering in my, in my school, home economics, um, mm. I think it was called at the time. And I, was, I think I was one of only three boys out of, out of 40 that were in the class. Um, so at the time, it was it was the thing that boys didn't do. It's, it wasn't cool to be to be a you know go that route at that at that time, and mm. I loved it. So I did two years of of training and starting off with how to butter some toast and um, you know, make fruit salad and things like that. And then it moved on into to more interesting things. And um, so I did really well in that. And um, so I, I kind of excelled in that area. And um, at the the latter stage of that, um, I got put onto a, a training course with the Grosvenor House Hotel in London, um, which was one of the uh, top hotel um, hotels at the time and had a, an amazing kitchen and an amazing team of chefs there. So that was great. So I was 16 and I was getting up at four something in the morning to um, travel wow. in. Um, okay. But loved it. You know, amazing to, to get into a hotel like that and be around those, that, that kind of um, great chef environment. And must have been quite hard though, right, at 16 to just go through because I know when you start out in a kitchen, you, um, I think one thing common in kitchens across the world is that when you start out, you start right at the bottom, just um, chopping and prepping and that's all you do for days at a time. Was that your experience or how, yeah. how was your kind of first few days there? Yeah, it definitely was my experience. I'm not even sure if I got to the bottom in what I was doing. Um, it was... Uh, there was a hell of a lot of chopping. There was a hell of a lot of, um, of running around, um, do, doing all sorts of multitasking. And uh, I wasn't actually allowed to do service as well, which was which was really good. Uh, they wanted to give me a feel, I suppose, for what uh, what it all entails in, in hospitality, apart from um, being the, the chopper in the kitchen. Um, so that was that, that was good. It was it, it was good until a certain point, and I realised that maybe um, my career would take a different route. And, and that moment was where I accidentally dropped the toast. Um, and I know that sounds very minor, but when you're in a fast-paced kitchen, um, chefs don't tend to like that. And at the time, it, it was a little bit um, yeah, it was a little bit macho. And um, a South American chef came over and. Gave me a good kick in the backside um, oh, that I won't forget. And I thought I, I was a bit stunned. I didn't really know what to do. I was just young and I was a bit shocked. Was it an actual kick in the backside? Yes, it was. It was, oh. it was an actual. It, it I read was. about that online and I was like, oh, that must be like, a, um, I don't know, you know, like a metaphor. No, <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a genuine kick in the backside, which took me back a little bit and now I'm, I'm sure he would get get done for assault, but at the t at the time chefs were just doing that kind of thing, and it wasn't a it wasn't a warm, loving environment. That's how I felt, and um, I had a period of reflection after my um, my, my placement had come to an end. Where um, do I take it forward? And I remember that kick in the backside, thinking maybe there's a better way to make money. Maybe this is not quite for me. Um, and for good or bad, I, I decided to, to take a different route and carry on my education and um, got a degree in business and um, 
yeah, the, the, the rest is history. But um, yeah, don't have any regrets. Yeah. But at the same time, I um, would love to have carried on and staying in the food industry, perhaps at the same time as um doing my i mean i think this is quite a common thing right that happens um i mean a lot of people train in hospitality uh train in kitchens and then it's i think it's only when you work in a real kitchen all the time for a long time is when you can really kind of sense whether you're cut out for that kind of career or not because it's just so physically um strenuous and um it's not for everyone i feel no yeah i think you're right it, it really isn't for everybody from from food trucks to to high-end restaurants it's a very hard industry um it's a fantastically rewarding industry at the same time um it it, it, it isn't um yeah it isn't uh for, for people that are fragile um put it that way even now we've got a much uh better environment for people where it's there's less bullying it's it's um it, it's far nicer and people but it's still hard. It's it's you know there's, there's high standards out there, and um, you know there's some amazing chefs that that want to deliver great food, and um, discipline comes as part of that. And everybody's got got a place in that. It's very hierarchical, and you've got mm. to either love that or or not. Um, despite the positive changes in it, it it, it is still high pressure um, as an yeah. industry. Yeah. So okay. So you went off into the world of business and. Um, and is that where you started your career in insurance? Yeah, well, I, I, I got an honours degree in business and uh, that was finished up in uh, about 2000. So I took myself off for a year of eating and travelling around the world. And uh, that, that, that was really uh, a, a real eye-opener for uh, from, from the food side. Um, I was getting to try all the... Um, I love how you said eating and traveling because that's exactly how I travel as well. <laughs> so I, I choose a destination, then I research all the food I'll get there, all the markets that are there. Most of the time, all my food itineraries planned out before I've even um, booked the tickets or the hotel or anything. So food first. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I roll as well. And I didn't at the time I was becoming a, a, a foodie, I suppose, um, without knowing it. So I was mm. working my way through Southeast Asia and trying all these amazing. Uh, dishes and fruits and things that I'd never had before and um, even things like, oh, this is going to sound terrible, but coriander. Um, I hadn't eaten coriander until I was 20. Um, I know that's weird. But I don't think, but coriander wasn't, didn't used to be something that was easily available outside of Asia, I think. So I have a funny story about coriander if you want to hear. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so when we moved to New Zealand, um, which was, I think, back in 2002, um Obviously, being Indian, I had eaten a lot of coriander. It's one of our staples, goes into everything. And um, we came here, and I think it was only available at, like, this one Indian shop. And he used to charge, like, $3 for a bunch of coriander. <laughs> and um, back then, obviously, you're converting all your currency and all of that stuff. And my mom was like, there is no way I'm paying $3 for coriander. So we went for like two years after moving to New Zealand, just never had coriander in our food. <laughs> so I just really value coriander now yeah. when I get to put it into my curries. <laughs> I remember going into a Vietnamese, um, like a Vietnamese bakery shop in Australia in Sydney. And I was like, what is this? What is this thing? Um, and I, it, it, it's incredible to think now that my kids are growing up in a completely different way. Um, the children of food is where they they're asking for the zata to go on their 
uh, whatever. And they, they know lots of Middle Eastern ingredients and um, coriander is a very natural thing for them to have with their food. But at the time, I, I didn't. So my first experience, I, I didn't have that background. So 20 years of age, I, I discovered coriander. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose I, I'm digressing. So that led on to a year of travel and, um, and and travel and eating. And then I came back and started a career in insolvency um, of all things, trying to be an accountant. And uh, that um, that was quite depressing. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the the terminal death of a business isn't isn't really where I wanted to be long term. So that that then flowed into insurance and it, it started with a small practice in the UK. Um, and yeah, then it, there, there was a gap in, in that where I lived in Japan for three years. Um, so I got to 20, 24 and I injured my back quite badly. Um, so I had an operation on my spine and um, was laying flat on my back and I thought, well, it's a good time to maybe see the world a bit. And um, yeah, I just ended up teaching in Japan for nearly three years. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So then when did you, um, so you did that and then when did you guys move to New Zealand? So we've been here for about 13, 14 years now. So okay. um, yeah, we've been here, we've, we feel very much at home and uh, yeah, love the, love the environment that, that we, we live in. So we're, okay. we're very kids are Kiwis, and um, yeah, they they would yeah, they, they're very very much um, yeah they wouldn't wouldn't be very British in their uh, their culinary ways, that's for sure. <laughs> so all this time you're working in insurance, but I read somewhere that you've always had a dream of owning your food truck. So how did this food truck thing come about then? If you were busy yeah. working in insurance. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I've always had that um, desire to get back into food at some stage. I, I became um, a passionate foodie eating my way through Auckland, so I, I kept that uh, that passion alive through eating other people's food. And um, but there was something that was that was there was an itch there that I really wanted to scratch, and I I wanted to try and get into it and find a way to to balance my my work life and. Uh, my uh, my first job, which was insurance and um, yeah, and, and, and another business, and I, I sat on what I call our magical sofa, and the, the magical sofa is um, <laughs> a very old, very old rubbish sofa in our lounge where I've come up with quite a few creative business ideas. And uh, one, once upon a time, I was on the magical sofa, and I turned to my wife and I said, "Hey, I think we should do a food truck." <laughs> and she looked at me, she put the TV on a bit louder and, you know, and that gave me the signal that I, you know, oh, you know, not another one of those ideas of yours, um, I'm watching something. And then I said, um, oh, I think I found a truck. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, then the TV went off. Um, and that, that was the start of the conversation. And I'd, I'd worked out my cuisine and I'd worked out, um, I'd done a hell of a lot of research without um, telling anybody, including uh, my wife, who um, who was quite excited once I got through the conversation. But um, at the beginning, was um, was was a bit sceptical that it was it was happening or it could happen. Um, so that, yeah, the magical sofa is. Um, I, I should keep that sofa forever. Yeah, seems quite magical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how it how it started. Basically, we um, I had an idea, and I was very passionate about Mediterranean food. Um, I love the cuisine uh, from Greek to um, kind of the Eastern Med, um, Lebanese, Israeli cuisines, 
um, I, I travelled and I spent time in the Middle East and loved yeah. uh, loved everything about it. So so much flavour going on, and I saw a gap in the market for for that in street food. Um, yeah, because I think back then um, the only kind of Lebanese close to Lebanese, I don't think um, you can actually call it that, was like kebabs, <laughs> which you get over here, which is not quite. I don't think that's what they eat. Back no, there. <laughs> no, they, they certainly don't, and uh, I, I think a lot of that was very, um, uh, very generic food. Um, the the falafel that was like a hockey puck. Um, yeah, <laughs> not not particularly. Um, not. Particularly it looks even pleasant. through the cabinet. It looks so like hard and brown. <laughs> brown. <laughs> I can tell you. I can tell you. Having trialed a few for um for for the sake of starting a business, it uh, wasn't a great experience, and that uh, was good and bad. You know, it was good to know that there's a there's room for improvement, but bad to think that that's what people's perception is of, or was of of that kind of cuisine. So mm. we saw an opportunity to move things up a gear and um, we weren't trying to be authentic. We're not. I'm English. My wife's Peruvian. Um, but we wanted to create a better quality food, uh, Mediterranean food offering. And that's that's hopefully where we, we got to. And that was the driving force behind it all. Can we deliver something that that, that is that has a lot more flavour, that's presented better? Um, yeah. The, the idea of having... Uh, kebabs in in Turkey are wonderful creations. They're not as as limited as to to what we see in, over here. Um, the, this, there's lots more flavour going on inside, and lots more interesting salads um, that people. Oh, so you mean no lettuce, onion, and tomato? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a little bit one or three dimensional um, over here, and yeah, there was there was certainly room to improve, and that was mm. um, that was that. And look, at the time it was. Uh, food trucks were, they, they hadn't really, we hadn't had that second wave. We had a first small wave following the, the GFC in 2009, 2010. Um, but New Zealand didn't really have a big explosion of food trucks um, in the early stages. Yeah, I remember like in 2007 or 8, um, which is when I was at uni, the only truck that I'd seen around was the guy who came with those mini donuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much it. Aside from like your regular kind of obviously the kebabs and butter chicken and that kind of mall food, but um, it's amazing to see that you know New Zealand's had that second wave of popularity for street food. Um, yeah, that's right. And yeah. how it's how it's kind of evolved. Yeah, and it, and and it has evolved. When I when we were starting, there were probably ten, fifteen decent trucks at the most in in Auckland. Um, the the thing that took got us over the line in terms of hitting hitting the go to get the food truck fitted out was I, I had a uh, fortunately a, a glass of wine with the founders of the Lucky Taco food truck Sarah and Otis who are fantastic people um, they spared an hour and a half two hours of their time to give me the nuts and bolts behind uh, the food truck world and and it, it was uh, you know it was it, they were really open it, it they explained how hard it is. Um, and but they were also really positive and um, pointed me in the right direction. Um, so that was good to have good people around um, that were willing to to spare their time. And uh, I suppose later on, that was the approach I, I uh, what's the approach I take now with with people in street food. They you know they end up providing um, help where I can because you know I think I, I remember those days when I needed it, and um, yeah, it was it was well. It, it was the final push that I needed to have people, good people around me. 
And I think this help that you talk about is very unique to the hospitality industry, like at least having been in catering myself, I can speak to it. Um, People are very open to helping you and kind of telling you about the challenges because often, you know, if you like, I mean, I know my first interaction was with a food truck was um, that movie (laughs) about the food truck. And I was like, right, I want to have one. (laughs) But obviously, um, having then gone back and worked in uh, catering, you realize how hard and what the challenges actually are. And no one really kind of talks about that. But the good thing is that the industry itself is quite open to its peers. And um, if you do want to get in, people will at least tell you the hard truth. You know? Oh, exactly. And I've only uh, I've made so many great friends in the industry. It's it's a very warm industry. We be, and, and a lot of it's driven by the fact that it, it's such a hard industry. Um, yeah. And and people, I, I can't tell you the amount of support that we've received over the years from from different people. You know, your FPOS goes down, people step up. Uh, it's very warm and collegiate. And um, you know, if you need something, there are people around that will help. Um, and I, you know, it, it, it it's, it's a big difference to the corporate world, and I, I enjoyed that kind of yin yang life. Um, yeah, <laughs> for many years, it's it's great. There's different cultures in both. Um, you wouldn't say, or I certainly wouldn't say that the the, the corporate world has that that degree of warmth, and um, there's good spirit in in companies. Um, but the the food industry is pretty unique. It's it's full of good people and uh, people well intentioned, lots of creatives and lots of um, kind-hearted souls in there that have been there, seen it, done it, that are willing to to spare their time. Yeah, and I think also so many of your food peers are often your customers because <laughs> beyond right. a certain point, you really don't want to have your own food and you get sick of it. <laughs> so I remember going to like food food markets and I'd yeah. set up my stall and then I'd be like, right, let me go see like what else everyone's doing and what I'm going to be eating today because that's all I care about. Oh, that's the same for us. We, our food swaps, that's how we used to call it. The food swaps is what excited us. At the end of a shift, we did not want to eat our own food. And after years of cooking it, uh, we loved our food. But at the same time, we wanted something different. And food swaps were the highlight at the end of the night. Um, and we, yeah, we, we, we kind of miss that not being on the truck anymore. We, um, yeah, we do, uh, we do get to still eat, which is great. We're still exposed to it. But uh, the food swaps were, were heavenly after a long shift. Yeah, definitely. So tell me, how were those early days as a food truck owner? Do you have some interesting stories you can share with us? How did you decide, you know, where you'd put your truck or um, did your truck used to move around quite a bit or was it kind of just at the one location? Well, I, well I'll start by saying that it's definitely not like the movie Chef. Um, <laughs> there's something... What are you saying? <laughs> there, was, uh, there was a bit of naivety, I suppose, at the beginning for, for many at that time thinking that you can go and park up where you want and you, you can't basically. Um, there's, yeah. there's government rules and restrictions around that. You you have to apply for particular licenses to be at um, particular spots, mm. uh, and it's quite expensive. So we don't have the the culture of America where there's food truck alleys um, and, and areas that are specific to food trucks and and mobile caterers. So that's um, so that was quite interesting. The, the beginning, the plan was. Um, uh, yeah, the, the plan was to find um, or utilize some of the spots that were available, and there were there were quite a few, but you know, mainly um, you know mainly smaller spots that weren't really um, weren't really that well set up for for street food events, um, or, or mm-hmm. even I mean most of them are two or three vendors at the most. 
Um, so that was the plan, and we had a we had the idea to do private catering um, early in the piece. So it became a lot bigger than what we uh, had originally envisaged, but the the idea was there. So that was part of our business plan. But to start with, we were uh, we were at um, the number one Queen Street uh, bar in in uh, I don't know if you remember that one that's just by the waterfront in the CBD, and there was some great oh, yeah, people, yeah. That, great people that ran it. Um, yeah, Travis is. Um, Travis, the owner, and James, who was managing it, they're really great people. And so that was our first, uh, yeah, first ever trip out. And uh, I, I was working in the building behind in in the day, so I invited all the uh, all the the guys in the office down. And um, just before I was opening the hatch, I, I realised that I'd put the systema on the griddle, and oh, um, <laughs> the systema melted into, um, it, it, you know, just into just a molten mess. Um, and then I, I had to get the spatula. I had to get it off the griddle, clean the griddle, and all that. But it was on my spatula, so <laughs> oh, I flicked it out the back door. <laughs> Little did I know, I thought I was flicking it onto concrete so I could clean it up. I, I flicked it onto astroturf. Um, oh my god! And it and it uh, melted into the astroturf. <laughs> um, James, Travis, I hope you can forgive me. Um, I, I did tell you at the time. I promise. Uh, you know, I wasn't. I didn't, this is not the first time I think uh, you know about this, but. The, yeah, so that was the start, and then literally fifteen seconds, the hatch comes open, and I'm off. Um, so I've got this, uh, <laughs> I've got this <laughs> thing outside that was distracting me, and then I've got a bit like the, a scene from The Walking Dead in front of me, and that was my first hour of uh, being on a food truck. Interesting, but it was hard. It was yeah, it it, it definitely was a lot harder than what um, I had envisaged um, in terms of finding meaningful spots uh, and. Uh, you know, building building brand. Um, these were not areas that I was I was used to. Um, mm. You know, we were in, in the you know for getting the menu right as well. We were we were pretty excited about all the great food creations, and then we we learned very quickly that we maybe um, created something that was far too big for a food truck. So this big, we had a whole range. I think we had sixteen dishes on there at the beginning. Um, wow! That soon became three. Yeah. And that's a big part about street food as well, like to just kind of pare it down, pare it down, just make it to the absolute basics and then do those like really well and be known for it. I think that's the huge kind of difference for me from street food versus like a restaurant perhaps. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and I can't remember the wise person that, that told me at the beginning, do three things and do them well. But that was the advice that's carried me through in into love street food now and the advice that I give other people it's it doesn't have to be three of course it could be a small number three to Mm. five something like that it's just really focusing on what what really works for people um too many options causes um a slowing down of the the buying process and um I I don't know if you feel the same but when you see such a large menu it can be overwhelming um, oh yeah whether it's I hate that yeah, yeah. Sometimes I need people to choose for me even, let alone, you know, I, I'm so indecisive. So give me a hundred choices and I could be there a while. So for me, the problem is that because I like food so much, I'm the kind of family uh, chooser. Um, I, sorry, chooser is not a word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. When you go out to a restaurant and like the whole family just relies on you to like choose um, what everyone else is going to eat. And for me, that's like huge pressure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm the, I'm the same and um, I'm, a, I'm a really bad chooser, um, whatever you want to call it. It's, it, it I like, I th- and I just, just think people enjoy having some direction and the direction can be 
here's three great dishes and yep. let's let's cut out some of that. So uh, we, we realized that after the after the second session when we were trading next to um, a brilliant vendor called Tiger Burger, who are now, now gone into retail, and mm. they had three or four things on their menu and they were absolutely smashing us and we we were a bit depressed really. We were getting one for every uh, one sale we had, they were getting about four or five. And we're like, okay, okay. So there's a, there's a steep learning curve here. And all it was at the at that time is that we were a new brand and they were great as well. Uh, but our menu was far too complicated, far too many choices. And don't try and be all things to all people. I think that's the, the, the messaging. It's, it's a be focused in what you do um, and and choose the, you know, understand what you, how your menu um, needs to be. You need to cover a few bases within your three to five um and and that way if you if you are covering the basis and you've got a vegetarian option a vegan option uh gluten-free option then you're in a good position to 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 keep make people happy if those those dishes are flavor packed and um and, and you know really good dishes to um to eat then you'll be fine um it's yeah. those that get a bit confused with their um their menu and they, they go down a certain path and it's a little bit one-dimensional and people you know it need there needs to be a bit of variety within what you do yeah so you went from those kind of early days to then your food truck actually being featured in a book by lonely planet so um that's yeah. amazing how did that happen <laughs> yeah yeah well that was the, the probably the end for us actually um and, but not because of the book i should say um, so we we were approached by the Lonely Planet about nine months before the book came out, and we were a bit kind of sceptical at first, thinking, "Oh, is this real? Is this happening?" And we did an interview, and a photographer came and took some photos. And yeah, nine months later, we got an email through saying, "Congratulations, you've we've decided to feature you." And uh, it was really amazing to you know amazing to see and we've i've got the book in front of me actually it's around the world in 80 food trucks wow um and we were one of only two new zealand food trucks that were featured um which that's was, amazing what was the second yeah. one uh it was harpoonan who are by far like one of my favorite food trucks now um they produce filipino food um and laura uh, wife of chef has just had a baby um so they, they're not around for a few weeks, but they're, um, they're, they're, they do amazing things. So they're in there as well. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was such an honour. And that, that actually was the end of our – it came out of the week that we, uh, we decided to finish up our food truck um, journey. Okay. So, um, and so was, was um, what made you finish. kind of move away from, from a food truck and kind of then go into founding Love Street Food? Like, yeah. um, was that a natural kind of evolution that you felt you needed to be part of the bigger scene? How, how did that idea come about? The idea came about quite a, quite a while before we actually did it. But um, mm. maybe six months after starting the food truck, we also started Green Bay Street Food. So we were the first in, in Auckland and I'm not sure where else to do community-based street food events. Um, and that was in our local area. So we, we, uh, we had no decent food in the area. We had no community hub, nowhere to meet. And um, so we decided to set up um, Green Bay Street Food and it just went wild. So when we launched that, that was in 2016 from the top of my head. Um, yeah, it was crazy. We had a massive turnout. We had a massive sellout um, night and 
Um, so that was the start of Green Bay Street Food. And we, we, we kept that running for three years in the local area to provide a place for us all to meet and eat and, and have some fun. And um, yeah, it, it sparked a lot of others to create community street food events in their areas, um, which, which we're really passionate about when we're not into the, um, the, the big events, the big ticketed events. We think that, that food should generally be accessible and um, uh, community focused in that way. There's, it, it's a great way to bring communities together yeah, I definitely take your point about uh, communities and bringing it together because one of the big things that I feel is that the street food that you get in a city actually really kind of tells you about the culture of that city. You know, like if you go to Bangkok or Mumbai, um, you get a good sense of what that city is just by eating the street food. I don't know if um, if you've noticed that as well. And like what I really enjoy about Auckland street food culture is that it's just so diverse and that's exactly how the city is as well. I agree, completely agree. I think that's, you know, when you've, you've, you've travelled in your life as I have and, and have eaten those great cuisines, it's, it's, so, um, it's so good to see the founders of those, the, those businesses from wherever you're from come up with your Ethiopian or Indian and, and producing that food that you're so passionate about and bringing that to the market. Um, we, and you're right, we are blessed in Auckland to have this diverse um, population. Um, I'd like it to be more diverse. I think there's areas of food that um, we, we, we don't have enough um, out mm. there. And the, we, we, at the moment, we're not blessed with um, Lebanese options. Um, I love Lebanese food, and that's um, one of the inspirations for our own business. And um, there's, yeah, there, yeah, there's certain cuisines that are underrepresented. So there's, there's still room for growth. Um, but yeah. you're right. Overall, it's it, it is great that we've got this smorgasbord of of amazing uh, global cuisine on our doorstep, and stories behind every one of those, and that's what keeps us going, and that's what um that's what I suppose sparked love street food, and it's that that passion to to showcase those those people is the was the primary driver for that. Okay, so what does Love Street Food do now? Like for the listeners, if you could tell them, I mean, how did you evolve from you know organizing this Green Bay um, community food fest to kind of moving into, um, I yeah. don't know, the big leagues perhaps? Yeah, so we were we were little Green Bay, and uh, and and by the name we were we were quite localized uh, in mm. in West Auckland, and we had um we had a, the last period of our food truck journey was um unfortunately we had some some poor health to deal with uh, my wife was having uh weekly migraines and uh the situation just got to a point where we couldn't continue mm-hmm. so um sadly and she, she's doing much better now um, a lot of the, the food prep it's, it's a demanding industry and a lot of the food prep was was causing those problems so we had to make a decision to, to finish uh, you know bring one chapter to an end and, and start another um, yeah. And I had the idea a while ago to transition from that that local um, street food community vibe into uh, a slightly different avenue, but um, same kind of ethos of um, showcasing vendors in the best possible way. We've got all this talent, um, but can we showcase it better? Can we, um, you know, can we uh, can we put it up on in, in Cyberland so that um, everybody knows about them and. Uh, and can we do some small community events in other places that um, that are you know, in keeping with our our approach to zero waste and um, supporting these small providers? And yeah, okay. that's how it that's how it began. 
Okay. So, um, and I know that you guys were the ones instrumental in having that themed food festivals that have been happening at Victoria Park, right? When did when did you guys kind of think about doing that, and how's the response been to them? Well, that was um, Victoria Park Markets is the most amazing location, and uh, they approached us in I think it was about September to okay. uh, with with just a general idea that we'd like to bring some food trucks in, and there wasn't a lot more to it. Um, and then as conversations developed, uh, I put some concepts together for um, for some some ideas that how we can create some really engaging events. And we started off with Christmas at Victoria Park um, at the same time as the night noodle markets. So we were right next door was this um, huge event. Um, and so we launched on exactly the same night as that. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so we lo- I saw this um, this massive, this herd of people coming towards me and I thought, wow, this is great. And then they just turned left into the night noodle market. So the first one was a bit challenging. The second one was fantastic. And the third one we did was pumping busy. So mm-hmm. it just, um, yeah, it just showed what can be achieved. It's the right, it was the right idea. It was um, really good food and um, food, food brought everybody together. So there was a, a night market alongside that with all sorts of um, gifts and goodies that you could buy. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just um, was great to see victoria park market busy again it's it as i said it's a beautiful location it just lacked a bit of um you know lacked a bit of direction for a while and uh it's starting to come back and it should be it's got the iconic chimney there and it's a great setting so we took the original success um of of the events and were asked to do more and we did a mediterranean night um that was as busy as we've ever had for a street food event um, awesome. And it was super successful. We had lots more planned until the COVID curveball. Yeah, yeah. That would have, um, that's thrown a lot of food businesses, right? Like, um, it's just uh, because so much of food rely, and so much of street food particularly relies on events. It's kind of um, a mutual relationship. So that's kind of thrown everyone a little bit. Yeah, um, it has. It has. We are yeah. at, Love Street Food is primarily now a, um, we run events um, and we, but our main thing is getting uh, street food vendors booked for private catering. Mm. And so we're an online booking platform and it's, um, we was really successful. We, we were, we've been doing that for about, I think we started in about December um, okay. and it was such a, a, a huge three, four months and we became really popular for food truck weddings and there still are, we're still getting lots of requests for them despite what's going on out there. Okay, I want to take a step back and talk about what this food truck wedding thing is. So to give you some background, at my wedding, I had 800 people because <laughs> I'm Indian. <laughs> wow. And um, I had um, no flexibility to choose the caterer because my father-in-law had already decided who that would be. And it was, you know, like this huge um, five-course meal, which is uh, quite common in my community. Yeah. But I just love this kind of thought of having different food trucks at a wedding. Like, um, I think my father-in-law would be really horrified if, I, even if I suggested <laughs> it now, like eight years after our, after our <laughs> wedding. Yeah. But um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what that is. And is that a trend that um, you see coming up? Yeah, look, I think it's it's already there. Uh, we we do more weddings than any other events, so more than even corporate events. Um, food truck weddings provide uh, they became popular, I think, about three years ago, and it, and it, it's a very casual way of of having your catering for a wedding. 
And it's great in photos to have that you know iconic food truck just at, um, sitting there with the bride and groom um, just in front. It's 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 perfect. And what it's done is it's taken down the cost as well of traditional catering um, and yeah. created a bit of buzz and energy around it. And you know it's, it it can it can be for thirty people or it could be for for two hundred people. We used to cater for for up to that amount on our food truck. Um, okay. So and you can get all sorts of cuisines, of course, and you can get multiple food trucks coming into one one wedding. Um, so it's become very very popular um, alongside some of the mobile bars and caravans that you can hire. So they uh, a lot of time they come together and um, you can have the complete catering solution um, at a fraction of the cost and with a lot more fun and engagement alongside it. Yeah, because I think. One of the big things is no one really wants to kind of sit down formally on a table. You know, I went to a recent wedding like that and I didn't actually enjoy it because mostly what people want to do is just stand and chat around with their friends. And I think food trucks provide a great background to do that, like you, like oh, you I suggested. Think, I, think, I think you're right. I think a lot of people, a lot of young couples are moving away from that very formal, um, I've got to eat at a certain time, even if I'm not hungry. Um, yeah, and that's that's really where um, it gives you great flexibility. You can eat within a period of time, and um, that's you know that's that's created a, a completely different wedding, I suppose. Having that option to to eat in that way has has just led to um, you know a, a nice, a more relaxed, chilled out, um, yeah, Kiwiana style wedding where you hire out a barn and you don't need to worry about you know, the commercial kitchen within that place, the, the commercial kitchen comes to you. Um, yeah. that, that's where it's kind of grown into something really, really cool. So we do lots of that. We've got a wedding section on our website um, that people can go to. It's a specific page. Um, you can have any food truck at your wedding, of course. We've got some trucks that's, uh, that specialise in that area um, and they can okay. even do can canapes. And, and, and do typically people have just the one truck or more than, more than one truck? Yeah, it varies depending on the number of people uh, that you're inviting to your wedding, we we say that if you're having a decent number, then and you have the budget, then then go two trucks. It gives you cuisine mm. variety. It gives you speed of delivery of food, um, okay. and yeah. So there's uh, and some do one truck and a dessert vendor. So we've got mobile gelato carts that are on our books. Mister Gelato, um, that's the name of the business. is incredibly popular for his weddings and um corporate okay. events so you can you can have both really so and or you can have um a food truck and uh, deputy donuts or one of the donut um providers come in and put up a donut wall or put up a, a, do yeah. a spread of donuts so it's become really different to the the old days of, of having that you know that that choice of your 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 pretty standard desserts on a, on a plate and it's all lovely and your cheesecakes and things it's but it's done and it's tired so, yeah, um, definitely. One of the things that I think I never enjoyed about a Kiwi wedding was that alternate drop thing. So, I mean, I wasn't ever invited to a Kiwi wedding, but I've catered for a few when I worked for a catering company. And I just thought it was sad that, you're, I mean, you never got to kind of choose your food. Like it just, um, we d did a couple of services where it was just like, oh, if you sat here, you got chicken. And if you sat there, you got lamb and tough shit. Yeah, tough. So, well, exactly. And then like sometimes you either, you got the lamb or nothing. It depends on what time of the night it is. Um, and it, yeah, it depends how they're structured for the catering. And the options are always there with food trucks and, and we go through a, a process with each of each of our clients and we you know we can customize menus with our vendors to suit um, but generally they're well set up to 
to deliver menus that give you variety, that give you uh, flexibility around um, dietary requirements and and all of the things that um, you, you you would you you would ask of your your standard caterer can be can be dealt with easily by a food truck. Oh, interesting. So I always tell my husband that um, I never want to like actually get married to him again because it was just so <laughs> stressful. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, if we decide to run away and get married, maybe I'll have a food truck at my wedding next time. Look, you know, um, same. You, you've, you've managed to got me excited about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if, I get, if I ever get married again, my wife's not quite listening here, then then the food truck would probably be the way to go. It's a, it really is a, a fun way of doing things. Um an Indian wedding, uh, eight hundred people. I'd say you'd need a good <laughs> you four need a food. <laughs> you need four food trucks, and um, you know, there's. Um, hey, you know, you just you, you touched on something there. We really need some great Indian food trucks in in, in Auckland and New Zealand. So, any entrepreneurs out there that are, are thinking of getting into it, then I can mm. suggest the cuisine for you to start with. And okay. um, if I can say, no butter chicken, please. We are oh, so over butter flooded with butter chicken in the society. Uh, we don't yeah. need any more. So I had um, I had once a dream about like wanting to do a food thing, and it's it's still in the dream phase. But I always wanted to uh, call it like it's not curry because it just pisses me off when everyone <laughs> says, "Oh, I made a curry tonight," and I'm like, "What does that mean? Yeah, you made a gravy mean? dish. <laughs> you did not make a curry." <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Or you opened up a can of what? what <laughs> it's like my pet my... peeve. Yeah, <laughs> if you yeah. Tell me you made a curry. I will just get automatically pissed off at you and not talk to you. <laughs> well, I, I like what the uh, there was a, a vendor in the Eastridge development, um, Eastridge mm. Eats, I think it's called, and they described it as not your mum's Indian. And oh, okay. they, um, it was very, very cool. I don't know if they're still around or they've finished now, but they tried to move Indian food in a direction. It wouldn't have been the direction I'd take. Uh, for me, I just think there's a quality uh, straight from India street food that's just not being done. We've, we, you know, we've, we've gone with those um, kind of generic butter chickens and mm. you know, enough's enough with that. But if you, if you look at the, the trends uh, overseas, then there's a, there's a lot of great Mumbai street food that's just not here. So there's, there's definitely, definitely room in the market for those that are listening that want to, um, want to dabble. And um, I think for me, what you've touched upon there is that a lot of street food is also, you know, when you spoke about just going with three to five things, bringing new cuisines to the market, to me, it's about trusting that the food you cook, people are going to want to eat it. You know, yeah. and for me, street food is almost, it's as much an experience, like I want to try it because I see you cooking it behind the counter and it's yep. equal parts of that and the food. So I think that you need to be brave enough to offer new choices and then also trust that at the other side, they're going to want to try that food. You know? Yeah, you've got to be brave. I think you, you, you're, you're bang on there. I think a lot of it is in food. It is about being brave. You, you, you won't. You can try your food, and others can. Um, the, really, it's the market that will determine whether or not it's it's popular and and it works. And not everything does work. So you've got to be quite um, uh, quite resilient there, because you you can spend a lot of time creating things that just don't have appeal or are just not practical in a food truck. I mean, that's the other other thing I yeah. should mention that there's there's some wonderful street food um cuisines out there that just don't work in food trucks and um or or or, or harder to do in food trucks because it's such a small space it's um you can't get too finickety with your um uh, your plating um you, know, yeah. you just don't have the time or the space to do that so it has to be 
things that can um, things that can come out fairly quickly. It doesn't have to be bland or boring. It can be um, can be exciting, but you've got to go through your, your processes. And if it's particularly um, time consuming or labor intensive, then you know, it doesn't. It might not always work. Yeah. So I think you've already spoken to my next question, which I was going to ask you that, you know, if there's a person dreaming about having a food truck, I mean, obviously you spoke about a few of those things, but is there anything else that they really need to think about, plan for, you know, aside from obviously not watching Chef? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) First thing is don't watch the movie. Uh, The movie is funny because you open up your hatch in the movie and there's, uh, 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 like the whole Mexican community of the local area waiting for their cheese sandwiches. Uh, yep. You know, people don't come to you necessarily. You have to do your branding, so you have to you have to really think hard about your your branding piece. There's nothing more important than the imagery now of your food. So don't dismiss that. And and a lot of uh, foodies get a little bit too creative with the food itself. And you know that's that's the key part of what we do. We know that, but it's there's also the other side. Is how do you market that? How do you market your brand? Um, so make sure that you're giving due consideration for your Facebook, your Instagram, uh, and other areas to um, so that you, you're a complete package. So that when you, you come to us and um, we we put you on our site for private hire, we can showcase you in the best way. Um, and think early about other revenue streams. That events yeah. now are challenging, and they will be for some time. And so think about your own local spots. Think about how you can partner with others in the local area to, uh, once you're up and running, of course, to to, to be able to, uh, I suppose, diversify your income that way. Um, yeah. That'll be, uh, you know, that's when you get going. But before you actually probably get there is just make sure you understand your numbers. One of the, the learnings from our first year is that we, we probably didn't understand our numbers as well as we should have done. So the cost yeah. of your, your ingredients, um, the cost of your labour, the, the cost of running your truck, um, you know, trucks are you know, trucks are expensive things to run. Food trucks, and there's, there's other ways to do uh, mobile catering. That could be from a trailer, or it could be from a gazebo. It doesn't have to be a food truck. Food trucks give you, you know, there's pros and cons of each, I suppose, without yeah. going into too much detail. But understand the costs of running whatever it is you're, you're running, whether it's your your trailer and you know your your certificates of fitness and all of that fun stuff. It all adds up. So. Yeah. Um, do your numbers and, and and get an accountant in early if you if you struggle with that it's not your thing a lot of people that are in the industry are, uh, are very much in the creative mindset and you know they're, they're not as strong on the numbers side um, you need to definitely improve on that but at the same time bring others in that can help you um just to you know go you know, delve a bit deeper into that so you know at the end of it where you're where you're heading and your price point for your food is right and we've had so many people come to us and they say hey i'm going to price this at six dollars um, and we and I say, well, what's your margin on that? They don't really know. And yeah. everybody else is at $10, $12. Now $15 is possibly the new norm for big portions of Maine. So you, you, you've got to understand how you make money in the game. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a big, big point of it because there's so much of it is all about cash flow as well. Like exactly. for me, that was the biggest learning when I did my food business as well. It was all about the cash flow figuring out how you can work with your vendors, you know, sometimes to delay those payments or can you work out a deal so that you do have that cash kind of flowing in continuously. 
because there's always something to buy, even when you think your pantry's full. I don't <laughs> yeah. know, there's something else that you need to buy. So. Oh, look, and look, when you run, run a, a food truck, then there's always expenses that you just don't even think about, whether your, yep. your exhaust system might be a bit loose or, you you know, think, things move around when you're in a food truck. Um, for anybody that's thinking of getting one fitted out, they're, they're an amazing thing and I'd highly recommend them, but things move and things happen within a food truck um, mm-hmm. when you're going you know, a couple of hours and it's not always nice flat roads, then things do wobble around. We've had fridges, um, uh, kind of parts of fridges flowing, flying around in the back of the truck. <laughs> I had a, I had a sea of hummus at my first wedding. Uh, oh, open, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Open the back door and, um, it's part yeah. of the wedding feature. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard a bang as I turned the corner into the location and that was the only hummus that we had. So it was a lesson oh, there. God. And yeah. I, I had to think on my feet. So there's the sea of hummus and everybody's coming to greet us as the, um, the, the saviors <laughs> of the night. And I'm literally bricking it thinking, how am I going to get hummus, which is a big part of our thing? How am I yep. going to get it at this time or make it? Um, and fortunately, little you know, funny quick stories that I went up to the kitchen just to see if they had a processor and a few basics, and um, they did. They they by chance they had tahini, chickpeas, lemon. Uh, they had a lemon tree just next to the truck of all things, oh, and some awesome. garlic. So we made hummus on the spot, and. Um, we got out of it, and that was, uh, you know, from that moment, there, there was nothing really that could phase us um, once you go through things like that. Um, yeah. Uh, the other, the other thing I'd say is that you know, think, things do go wrong. Um, you know, in food trucks, it's it was it's it, it's fun and it, it's great. You, you are in a small space, so you have to design your systems to um, and, and your menu based on the, the physical restrictions that you have. Um, some some trailers are larger than than food trucks um and you could do you could do a lot more um but yeah safety is is of paramount importance in a food truck um we we realized that we had a gas explosion um in our food truck that uh put wifey in middlemore for the night she was absolutely fine um that was at a wedding as well so we've had (laughs) a fun time so i ended up cooking for 200 they they don't seem to have scarred you because you're still booking food trucks for weddings so no no we yeah we love we we still loved it and we we we, uh, wifey was fine and we we had to crack on with the wedding and um yeah a little unnerving their own fault we 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 kept the button down on the gas thing for too long and then went to light it and like what you do at home with your gas it goes boom um it actually went boom at my wife's eye level so where she was looking for the pilot flame in our rice cooker um it went it went boom at that point so it was a moment (laughs) moment of panic but she was otherwise fine and um yeah you, you become really resilient to um and and, and it, it helps you to, to deal with situations going forward when you have situations like that. But it is a thoroughly rewarding industry. There's um yeah, there's there's so many great experiences that and we 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 catered uh, with our food truck for so many amazing wedding couples and we're in touch with many of them now. Um and it was a big part of our lives. So it's nice that we can carry on doing that. We love street food and um get people booked up and um with, with really good food. I mean we we only play at that higher end of street food and yep. um that's that's what we're known for is that kind of quality look so we we turn away a lot of vendors that that aren't there um we, we try and encourage them in ways to get there um with their branding the you know the nature of the food 
Um, but yeah, we're very passionate about the, the quality that we can um, we can offer for a wedding. Interesting. Okay. Well, just the last question then to quickly wrap up. So this one's going to be what I call the fast food five section. And I'm going to ask you five quick questions about food. And you have to tell me the first thing that comes out, comes into your head. You ready? Go for it. Okay. If you were a burger, what would your main filling be? I, I'm going vegan burger. I, I'm going one of the new vegany things. I'm enjoying that whole experience at the moment. Okay. Interesting. And if you were a vegetable, which one would you be? Or oh, be a Brussels sprout. Brussels sprouts. You know, you're the second guest to come on my show. Just say Brussels sprouts. <laughs> yeah, un- underrated. Roast them. I've fallen in love with them. They're great. Okay. okay. I need them. to give them. Hated I need to give them a try because um, yeah, I keep running into people who just say this Brussels sprouts thing. So I need to open up my mind again and give it another try. I used to believe it was like having a wet, soggy tissue in your mouth because that's how I grew up eating them. Uh, boiled mm. to, to the point of death. Uh, then I learned that you could roast them or you could fry them with bacon or whatever you want to do with them. And they are just an absolute beast of a vegetable. They're fantastic. Anyway. Okay. All right. Okay. Third question. Would you rather give up salt or give up sugar? Sugar. Okay. Yeah. I found you can kind of live without sugar um, once you're off it. So yeah. Salt I to must. With you. Salt to must. Yep. Mm. Okay. Favorite place in the world to have street food? Oh, goodness. Um, I've traveled to about 40-odd countries. Listen, Vietnam's pretty special. Uh, Japan's amazing. Uh, Japan's street food is not so much on the street, but it's it's incredible. Mm. Morocco. I'm going Morocco. Loved every minute. Morocco's on my bucket list. Yeah. So, Uh, okay. Yeah, just just all around, just just cuisine that's so varied, depending on whether you're in the mountains or you're in the desert. Warm, mm. hospitable, flavoursome. Yeah, love it. Malaysian's got to be up there as well, should say. Mm. Okay, that's four now. <laughs> <laughs> Morocco. I'll stick with it. I'll stop talking. Okay, and last one: favorite street food item to eat, like the one thing you keep uh, finding yourself gravitating towards when you are at a market. Uh, oh, that's a biggie. I've, I've eat, I eat so much. Um, okay, well, gyoza, d- dumplings. Okay. Uh, yeah. Every everywhere, uh, Kimmy's gyoza is my favourite. Um, she's cooking Japanese, real authentic Japanese style dumplings. They're superb. And if it's not dumplings that way, it'll be dumplings through the rolling pin, someone like that. Um, they do the Chinese style dumplings. Uh, kids mm-hmm. love them. Adults love them. Haven't found too many people that go, oh, dumplings can't stand them. Um, yeah. They tend to be a very, uh, very popular across the board option. Okay. Interesting choice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the show. And it's been um, just lovely chatting with you about all, all things street food. So Yeah, thank um, you so much for having us. I'm, I'm really hungry. I don't know if you noticed, but my stomach was growling kind of halfway. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps growling and I keep moving the mic away. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we were making, just to make it worse for you, we've been uh, preparing our flatbreads. So we, we were a part of lockdown and before that we were making our own breads and we did that and I can smell them. And um, mm. nothing better than making your own breads. It's, it's so good when you, you get that on the griddle when you can smell it. Yeah. It, it's superb. So you go and eat go and eat some food. Yeah. And the next time we're meeting, we're meeting at a food truck then. <laughs> what? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We can we can work through some of the uh, some of the answers on this. Mm. Whether it's gyozas cool. or otherwise. 
All right. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been lovely chatting with you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.